Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. Conservation, carbon credits, environmental sustainability. It's been a topic at almost every winter conference this year, covering almost every commodity from dairy to cash crops and from livestock to specialty crops. It's also a key priority at the national level as USDA continues its climate smart agenda. But there are plenty of farmers that have already been making strides in conservation. One example of an early adopter is the Crave Brothers Farm and Farmstead Cheese in Waterloo. Mark Crave tells us about the farm. Well, Cray Brothers Farm is a 2,100 cow dairy farm where we we farm about 3,500 acres and raise uh, our heifer replacements uh, on site. Uh, in addition to that, we have our own farmstead cheese plant where we make fresh mozzarella, mascarpone, Oaxaca string cheese, and some fresh curds. And then we also have a, a methane digester, biodigester in the middle that, that all the cheese waste and the manure goes through, and we generate electricity and uh, produce all our own bedding for all our cattle. Yeah, it's an incredible operation. I've seen it myself. But I want to talk more about that cycle because that's what you have going for you with the the value-add products and the byproducts that you're creating and using on the farm. Can you give us some more detail on how from the barn to the cheese plant to the digester, it's all kind of flowing? There's no place where we can separate the farm from the cheese from the digester because they're all intertwined right and uh, yeah each one has its own operations and its own staffing and you know experts we have herdsmen we have cheese makers we have mechanics to do all their jobs but because we're running manure and cheese waste uh, away through our digester you know it serves both both sides of the road we produce electricity we produce bedding there's just a lot of interplay, and a lot of it just comes from really commonsensical things to say, hey, how can we, how can we make this better? How can we leverage this investment into, into better outcome? If we were to discontinue any one of those uh, operations, the other ones would need something to replace that, right? They, they couldn't continue on just as, oh, okay, you're, you're quitting with the digester. We'll just keep marching on. No, that's part of our waste uh, management, our nutrient management plan, and so we'd have to have something to replace that. I want to talk more about the digester. You've had it for 15 years, is that what I heard? Yeah, there's been a digester on our farm uh, for 15 years. Originally, it was built by an uh, electrical contractor that wanted to get in the green energy business, and so we provided the manure and got some bedding from it, but we're really hands-off on the management of it until 2015 when we assumed some of the ownership, and in 2017, by 2017, it was 10 years old already, and so we uh, you know, rebuilt the engine and, and put the bedding dryer in and, and uh, shed to store the bedding so it's like anything on the farm you're always upgrading and investing and capitalizing you know improvements to make it a better or more efficient system when did it become worth the investment the the biggest significant return on investment was when we started drying bedding also producing electricity alone doesn't generate enough revenue Uh, and actually only about half the revenue is from electricity and the other half would be from bedding we produce so we produce enough bedding to bed about 3,000 freestalls every week and we also dry that bedding so the the manure fiber comes out is squeezed out through a screw press after the manure is digested and then we use the biogas from the digester through a rotary drum dryer to get that product to about 50% moisture so it comes out of the screw press about 70% moisture and then we get it down to about 50% moisture where it's it's a good spot where we can put it under cows and have good udder health and good cow comfort and not a lot of dust. Yeah, that's what's happening in the digester. You know, if we look out in the field, we're going to see cover crops. You have the drip manure Mm -hmm. system going on. 
following a nutrient management plan. Is it adding value to the farm? It adds value as a whole. You know, some of those practices by themselves might be hard to justify. It works for us. And one of the reasons that we're, we, we have a large family uh, unit, and so we're able to kind of separate out some of those tasks and, and lean in out pretty hard. None of those areas can we just kind of mail in our effort. We strive hard to leverage each one of those operations to be efficient, to be profitable, to stand on their own. Because, you know, a a digester system that isn't performing well will cost you money. And you hate to take money from the cows that they worked hard all year to give you that milk and profit only to fill in a hole for another area of the operation. So we always have a focus of keeping each and one of those entities. Uh, we We keep separate records on each so that we know, hey, how are we doing on this, that, or the other thing? Because there's, you can't just kind of do a, a half-hearted effort on any one of those three. You've had this high standard of environmental sustainability early on. It's, I mean, it's great that you're an early adopter, but one of the cons is that can you take advantage of like carbon credit incentives or USDA uh, sustainability climate smart dollars because you've already been doing all this stuff? Right, and, and to this point, we haven't been able to. Um, a lot of the credits come for improvements or changes you've made. So, you know, early adapters of, let's say, cover crops or uh, our digester system aren't capturing any of those carbon credits right now because it's not new. One of the things we're looking into is uh, there's new things that come out all the time. So until now, there hasn't been much, but, you know, it's still an evolving world. And I just heard a speaker back in December who said, you know, whatever you learned about carbon credits a month ago, it's changed. And so the challenge is to keep up with it and, and, you know, find an opportunity where there's maybe something that'll benefit us, you know, for some of the effort we've already put forward. You know, if we talk about opportunity, you brought up a great example before this interview. If we talk about the the cheese operation, finding a plastic alternative, that's one area that you see opportunity to continue to be that environmental sustainability. Can you tell me more about that effort and if anything's underway? You know, a lot of food that we take home from the store comes comes wrapped in plastic. And um, our cheese is is packed in plastic. There's a food safety component to plastic that, that keeps it safe, you know, that keeps the, that uh, makes sure it's fresh and, and has a long shelf life and such. So we just are looking for something that maybe performs the same on the quality and the standard that we're looking for in our cheese, but maybe has, is, is you know, let's say, uh, doesn't last forever like a plastic does. And, and maybe even the volume. And there's a lot of work being done throughout our industry, and by no means are we on the forefront of it. We're just kind of riding the wave with everybody else to say, yeah, you know, we all get disappointed when we take something out of a package and we feel we have more package than, than product. And we're, we're along that same boat. Anything else uh, that Crave is looking forward to in, in 2023? Anything new happening on the farm or the farmstead cheese operation? More of the same as far as the operations. You know, we're always looking for ways to improve. We have no major plans to tip the world upside down. But just the next thing, we're always looking for the next thing to make an improvement, to grow better crops, to have healthier cattle, to make higher component milk. One of the things that we've worked really hard on for the last uh, four years going on five now is a uh, succession plan. Uh, I'm the youngest of, of my uh, generation. I have three older brothers that are nearing retirement age, and uh, I have three nephews that are partners there, and there's 11 family members there full-time. And so we're working really hard to make sure there's opportunities there for another generation of our family or non-family people who come and, and help us every day uh, get our work done. And so we're working really hard to set things up to, in, into an organized plan. Now that's a story. You know, <laughs> when you've got so many people running the farm, I mean, how do you even go? 
about a, a succession plan? There's ways to do it. You know, companies companies figure it out. One of the things that we've always tried to do is use best practices from other industries. You know, in agriculture, we talk to other farmers, we talk to other cheesemakers, and, and that's great. It's great information share, but sometimes we can kind of get back, uh, paint ourselves into a corner if we don't go out and talk to somebody that maybe owns the retail shop or somebody that's in a manufacturing business and what they're doing. And so we just try to use good practices. And also there's there's consultants out there. We've worked with a consultant from Des Moines, Iowa for uh, the last four years who's come and helped us. And we have a lot of conversations, a lot of planning. And, and one of the things we've committed to is moving forward and so if we come up with a practice that's for, that's going to be good for our succession plan unless there's a reason not to do it we do it mark crave talking about every aspect of sustainability not only was the crave brothers farm and farmstead cheese an early adopter of conservation practices but they see opportunity for growing their initiatives while also keeping the farm profitable and as mark said the family is also working on its succession plan to keep the farm operating for generations to come for the midwest farm report i'm stephanie hoff